right, we want to start. Should we take a second and talk about um, the Fearless re-recording since this is the first episode that we're recording oh. since it was announced? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what are your thoughts on it, Chandler, since you initiated I mean, it? I mean, I'm excited. I just feel like we need to talk about topical Taylor Swift things. And even though it's going to be a while before this episode comes out, this like is the most topical thing happening right now. So topical I figure is your favorite word of the week. <laughs> I guess I'm I'm Top- in business mode. <laughs> you guys are laughing at me after I just got myself in my feelings by listening to the outside and remembering what it was like to be a bullied middle schooler, and I'm gonna oh. leave this podcast. <laughs> It reminds me of that TikTok I sent you, Chandler. Like, if we would have been alive during the Salem witch trials, we would have bullied. <laughs> Wait, what? <No. laughs> I'll have to send you guys the TikTok. It's so Basically, funny, some like... dude saying he would have made shit up about the people he doesn't like. <laughs> and got them burned at the stake. That's awful. <laughs> yeah, Rebecca, would, it's like Rebecca it was... would be the one burning me at the stake, apparently. <laughs> I wouldn't even be alive. I'm a left-headed, left-handed redhead. That's true. Like, come That's on. true. You are the devil. <laughs> I would have been screwed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Taylor announced that Fearless re-recordings, the the Taylor Taylor's version, is when coming was out that last Thursday. Feels like it was eternity ago. I know it was know, right? not even a week ago. <laughs> It's just because we're spoiled. We're so used to, like, because Folklore and Evermore, like, she dropped it literally, like, the next day after announcing it. We and are now we have to are... wait until April 9th. <laughs> Which isn't new for her. Like, no. But... No. That's not even bad. How quickly we forgot that she announced Lover <laughs> in, like, April of 2019 and made us wait till the end of August. Yeah, that was awful. She used to be the, for the fact that we like, waited for reputation for three years. Right. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> she used but no, to be Bailey, the queen of like album drops, you know, like she like, used to be typically the text. She was the textbook definition of like a traditional album release cycle, right? And we just so very quickly got so spoiled. Honestly, first it was when she dropped Christmas Tree Farm just the weekend after she made it or like the day after, I can't remember what it was. She was just like, I made this Christmas song and I thought it would be weird to wait another year to release it. So here it is. And then like folklore and evermore, they've just, it spoiled us. We're a little, we're spoiled brats now. We are. You know, I wonder if that has to do with her new music label. I don't want to get into the unknown name people from her previous label, but it seems like she has a lot more freedom in, in the creative process and like the launch process and everything, you know, she's a lot more say. I feel like I agree. And she even mentioned something. I think she mentioned something in the Long Pond studio session. She said, you know, like, hey, I'm just I'm going to release this album. And her label was just like, OK, go yeah, she it. said she was scared. Didn't right. she say something about like coming to them with shaking hands, thinking they were going to get so mad at her? Yes. She did. I think that's very telling, but I do think that she was a proponent of the, like, traditional album release schedule. Like, I do think she has more 
like artistic freedom now and like creative freedom with her albums even more so than she had before but i do think that she was a believer in like the traditional like album cycle yeah yeah I agree. that's also really pushed in country music she did it for so long so i just feel like you know yeah well i'm excited for fearless it's really gotten me thinking because so when we went after evermore dropped and we kind of redid like our personal like within our group chat like rankings of the albums i had i'm pretty sure i had reputation then evermore then fearless and now that everything is getting brought back up again with fearless i think that it's reputation fearless evermore fearless i just i'm not ready like i'm so i'm gonna be so emotional to like go through this album again because it was such an important album to me when I was a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm also so sad because not only is it sad that Taylor Swift doesn't own her work, it's sad because of how much it means to me. Like, obviously it means a lot to her. It's her album. She made it. It's her art. But it's sad for me because I'm emotionally attached to, like, that original album, you know? Like, I'm excited that I'm going to be able to stream it instead of just listening to the CDs, but I am going to miss the originals. Like not that, you know, love story, the re-recording is so good, but I am going to miss the originals. I agree. Yeah. And there's something about fearless being released when it was like the original fearless, as opposed to now it's, it's just, we're different. We are different. We're mm-hmm. grown. Taylor is grown. Like, so it's, it's all nostalgic and it is going to be different, but I'm excited. Fearless is my favorite album. So this is, I couldn't ask for anything more. <laughs> like, I'm glad she's starting with Fearless. At first I was like, no, I want her to start from debut, but it makes perfect sense why she started with Fearless. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I think that she's probably like, we mentioned it the other night in our group chat while we were talking about, while we were waiting for Love Story to drop. I She has to be sad or... I, I guess I don't know the right word. I that it's bittersweet to do this for me. It's fun to see like how her voice progresses. Like her voice sounds so different in the original versus Taylor's version in of Love Story. And I just like I'm excited to see how different her voice sounds in all of the songs. And I'm excited to listen to the other ones. But I. I think I'm a little sad too. Like I'm sad she has to do this. Um, I mean, it's good and and it's going to be great. And I, she doesn't have a bad album yet. So <laughs> like, I, I can't imagine myself not liking it, but I just, it's just kind of sad that like, this is what it came to. Yeah. And like you said, we're all, like Chandler said, we're all kind of emotionally attached to the first one because we were 15 when 15 came out. So it's just like we were there when she released that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I learned so much because when I was 14, you know, 14, almost 15, the song 15 came out. I feel like I learned so much from like that November to that April when I turned 15. And I was like, I don't even have to like, Taylor taught me everything. Like, I know, <laughs> right? I know that when somebody tells me they love me, I'm going to believe it because I'm 15. Like, I know I'm prepared. So, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like you said, uh, Lizzie, it's bittersweet. So, yes. And I I know Taylor has said that this is a very fruitful and like rewarding process. 
Yeah, it's it must be really emotional for her. I mean, it's kind of like our equivalent of, you know, redoing something special that we did in our past. I'm trying to think, like, for Bailey and I, our high school recently closed. This is that kind of equivalent, kind of, because, yeah. you know us going back to that high school that we had all these great memories we learned a lot not just like academics but like about ourselves about our friendships you know you've changed and i don't know it's very similar and and this album coming out in april i'm so excited i'm excited for taylor i'm excited for all of us to hear it for the first time again also i thought that the love story re-recording the instrumentals were clear it just yeah. seemed like like the production itself was Christopher, like just almost yes. yeah well did y'all yes. see that nathan chapman is not returning at least he wasn't he wasn't the producer for the taylor's version of love story i did do that I, yeah yeah I think yeah because he's still under big machine and so is liz rose yes so I saw we that can too. knock out any because i have been wanting a collab you know, for them to get back together and write more music together. Cause I think Taylor and Liz, when they get together, what they produce is just absolutely magical. But the fact that she's contracted under big machine means that that's not going to be possible. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that makes sense as well for me as to why maybe she hasn't gone back and collaborated with her as well since since all too well. That's the last time she's collaborated with Liz. I'm kind of upset that Nathan Chapman won't be returning just because I think that some of his backing vocals, especially on debut and fearless, they just seem iconic to me, like not necessarily because it's him, but I just like the juxtaposition of her voice and his voice together. And of course she can always get someone else, even though she might not there. We, I mean, we don't know, but you know what I mean? Like I was kind of before any of this was announced, I had been thinking, you know, is she going to get Nathan Chapman back? Like, is he going to be able to be a part of these re-recordings? And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm sad that he's not, I feel a little cheated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. Also, I was reading something and I just saw the article pop up, but it was basically an article, I guess, explaining, I didn't read it, but I guess it was explaining whether or not her re-recordings would be eligible for Grammys. Does anyone know? I did see that. No, I don't remember what... They can be nominated for... Perf no, the new songs can be nominated for performance-based ones, but if she wrote them more than five years ago, then they can't... They're yeah. not eligible for songwriting awards. And honestly, I think I saw that it said, like, her re-recordings can be nominated for performance based Grammys. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I know for a fact it said that her, like the, the new ones, like the ones from the vault, they can't be songwriting ones unless they were written within five years of being released. That's annoying. Also, that's a little disappointing. Like she didn't win a Grammy. She didn't win anything. Correct me if I'm wrong on reputation. And she's, I mean, she's going to re-record that and she's going to get snubbed yeah. again. She might could get performance ones this for this one. I would, again, I'm going to have to look into that. I can't remember if I'm remembering that correctly. But, I mean, yeah, <laughs> Reputation was super snubbed. I mean, I'm pretty sure that was the year that Casey Musgraves won mm. everything. Yeah. Um, which, uh, it that was a great, that was an excellent album, too. So, it's... Uh, it's hard for me, but I, 
I do really think that reputation deserved more than it was given. Given, I agree. Let's not even bring up started. <laughs> uh, yeah, reputation was definitely snubbed. That's like it's disappointing, you know. I don't know. I just it's supposed to be like something new and it's supposed to be hers, but you know, she's still not really able to I guess I mean still gonna be hers like and I think that's the most important thing that we have to remember is that now she's gonna have complete control over how these versions of her her music her work her life's work are used like she's gonna be able to decide if they're in tv shows she can still block scooter and big machine from using her old masters in like tv shows and commercials and whatnot and she'll be able to like perform these songs live without any issues like televised i mean i heard that she ended her partnership with coke so she could even do the halftime show at the super bowl oh we went and that, that. she didn't at the super bowl hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that would be do you guys think she's gonna drop like other re-recordings this year besides fearless yeah, I think she will. I think she will. It sounded like whenever that commercial came out, the Match.com commercial. The Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, whenever that came out yeah. and she made the announcement like, oh, Fearless is done. It sounded like to me, I took it as like, Fearless is done and I'm working on other ones. So, I mean, I think that's why Evermore has been, you know, kind of quiet. Like we all kind of thought that we were going to get at least a music video for Nobody, No Crime because she released that to country radio and like I on I don't listen to the radio that much anymore because I'm stuck at home and never really have a reason to but I right. I always felt like that was a song that could do really well on country radio and so it would have really benefited from a music video and then she posted that picture with the bear costume I yeah I think I think that's why she was so quiet after this era I also wonder though if She's taking this opportunity to go back to the original, like, traditional album drop. And maybe it wouldn't be two years in between. Maybe it would just be like, okay, you know, Fearless dropped April 9th and 2021. And then I guess she would do Red next. I'm not really sure, but... I've heard rumors that Speak Now is going to be released oh, on it July 9th. Now. July 9th. I heard that, that July 9th. That yeah. That July oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really want her to do that. I really want her to release it on July 9th. I will implode. <laughs> Rebecca, do you remember when we were in high school and even after we used to like yes. mark the day every July 9th, we would be like, happy that July 9th. <laughs> Yes. yes, and even this year, this past year, I sent you something on July 9th. I think I sent you a TikTok on July 9th about that song and was like, it's July 9th day. <laughs> okay, anyway. it's a Taylor Swift holiday. Yeah, it really is, but we need to... It is in the fandom. We need to get started talking about Cold As You because we've been talking for almost 20 minutes and I know that's my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> we could go on forever, oh. though. We could. Are you ready for it? Welcome to Ready For It, a Taylor Swift podcast. I'm Chandler. I'm Rebecca. I'm Bailey. And I'm Lizzie. So be fearless. Speak now. Put on your favorite shade of red. While shaking it off in a getaway car. Because sometimes you need to calm down. And wrap yourself up in your favorite cardigan. To find some happiness. And listen as we talk about the iconic poet herself, Miss Swift. Swift.
Okay, so today we're going to be talking about Cold As You, our first track five for Taylor Swift. And if you're not super familiar or you're a new fan, track fives for Taylor are always extremely special because they typically are the most emotionally, like, eviscerating (laughs) song on her albums. And she specifically places them in a track five placing as just kind of a hint to her fans. Although it didn't start that way. Like, you know, I don't think she started doing this until Red. No, it was specifically. She didn't notice really done it until Reputation. Delicate was the first one that I'm pretty sure Delicate was the first one that was a specific track five. She was like, this is track five. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's just become kind of like a a theme throughout her, her albums. So yeah, I'm excited for us to get into her first track five and it does not disappoint. (laughs) Nope. All right. Take it away, Lizzie. (laughs) Some background. It was released October 24th, 2006. The length of the song is four minutes and one second. The writers is Taylor Swift and Liz Rose. Producer is Nathan Chapman. And one thing when I was doing my research for this song that I didn't even really pay attention to until I saw it was the song details her experience with an emotionally unavailable guy. So obviously I knew that. But, so normally, Shakespeare, if you think about Shakespeare, how he compares his lover to a summer's day, Taylor flips it, and she's comparing this lover to a cold, rainy, dark day. Hmm. Hmm. I, I never, never I never paid attention, and then it makes perfect sense. So she's obviously just as much of a brilliant writer as Shakespeare. Well, <laughs> yes, because then our, our intro, when we say that she's an iconic poet, is an accurate statement. It is. I mean... For real, because I like honestly, it blew me away when I read that today. I was like, oh my God, that's so true. <laughs> but this is also noteworthy because this song has been, she said in multiple interviews, which I'm sure Chandler would get into, that it is her favorite song on the album. And that's all I got for my background. Cool, cool. Okay, so some Taylor Swift quotes. It was kind of hard to find quotes about this song. It was kind of difficult to find reliable sources. The only thing that I could find was song facts, which I don't know how accurate that would be. But according to song facts, Taylor told Rolling Stone magazine that this was her favorite song on the album. She said, quote, the hook is I've never been anywhere cold as you. I love a line in a song where afterward you're just like, burn. And that's the end of the quote. Um, (laughs) And she also said, I wrote this song with Liz, and I think the lyrics to this song are some of the best we've ever written. It's about that moment where you realize someone isn't at all who you thought they were, and that you've been trying to make excuses for someone who doesn't deserve them. And that some people are just never going to love you. We were halfway through writing this when I started singing. And now that I'm sitting here thinking it through, I've never been anywhere cold as you. And that was also something I found on Song Facts. And then, so I was incorrect, Rebecca. It was not Delicate. Delicate was not the first track five that she like specifically chose. It was actually The Archer. So I, when we were just talking about that, I literally googled really quick like because i remembered hearing her hearing something about her talking about choosing a track five and i wanted to make sure that it was that i knew what i was talking about and i knew there was a quote so i figured that would go great a quote about track fives for the first track five for one of her instagram lives for the lover release 
She said, I didn't realize I was doing this, but as I was making albums, I guess I was just kind of putting a very vulnerable, personal, honest, emotional song as track five. So because you noticed this, being us, the fans, I kind of started to put the songs that were really honest, emotional, vulnerable, and personal as track five. So that has definitely happened in the case of track five on this album, Lover. So she was talking about The Archer. So I guess maybe she might have noticed it beforehand, but she didn't actually acknowledge it until Lover. She didn't really explicitly say, like... Yeah, that she was right. doing it on purpose. So it started out, she didn't mean to. It just kind of was a coincidence. And then when she noticed, she <laughs> started doing it on purpose, which I love. And she, like, this was reported by Bustle.com, but it was from one of her Instagram lives. But that's all the quotes I have for this song. Yeah, when I was doing my research, I only found those same two quotes. So... So most of the accolades come from the awards, the album one in general, not necessarily this song in particular. Although I did find one critique of the album in general, which I think perfectly describes the mood of the song. They said, Taylor Swift deftly handles lyrics and subjects in that shouty wee area between teenager and womanhood. And I think, I think that's a perfect explanation of this song in general. Just like the lyrics she uses, like she said, like, oh, burn after you say, and now that I'm sitting here thinking it through, I've never been anywhere cold as you. Ouch. <laughs> and I think, I think that's a, that's a theme throughout the whole song. Just the way she strings the words together. It's, it's pretty yikes. <laughs> yeah, I hate to be um, on the receiving end of this. Honestly, this song is like one of my OG like songs dedicated to like an ex-boyfriend. I don't know about you guys, sure, but sure. this was always a song that I would scream at the top this of my This is the song that I make would, myself feel this better. This is the song that I would cry to because <laughs> the boy I like didn't like me. Yes, that too. Uh, and I know exactly who you're talking about. I'm sorry, I'm not laughing because <laughs> it's just funny like looking back, you know, high school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's also, you know, if you really listen to the song and read the lyrics, this guy that she's writing about kind of sounds like he's like verbally abusing her. Like, and it's just like in a way, you know what I mean? Oh. I don't want to assume anything, but I just get that vibe that he is just an asshole like two so i actually think that this is not about a person <laughs> that taylor like dated maybe it's about like a person she liked but i think this is one of those because she does say later on down the road like years and years later that her debut album was just her pretending to know what it was like to be in love or like right. go through breakups like she was just playing at like these quote-unquote grown-up situations when she was writing these songs because like again she was so young and right. I get the feeling that this is one of those because when you try to look up, she never really talked I, a lot about like what the song was about. Yeah, I tried to like see if I could find there was any specific guy she was talking about, but there there was nothing. But so. it just goes to prove and goes to show that she has been creating characters in these kind of yep. like almost alternate universes. I mean, she doesn't quite create an alternate universe in her debut album, obviously, like the way she does in Folklore and Evermore. But she's still creating these these characters and these ideals and these storylines for her music. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think you're you know, right, just... Zach. I don't think we, we don't really see it, or rather we don't really realize it until we get to Folklore and Evermore, because it's not right. apparent who the song is about. Well, it's not, it's I, it is, but it's not. Most of, like, it's 
calculation. Most of the time, she is autographical. Like, she is talking about herself. But there are these songs, especially in debut and and throughout, that she is just, you know, talking about characters from a book she read or right. a movie she saw or a combination of all of it or friends of hers or she just literally made it up because that's Taylor Swift. Like, she has a crazy right. imagination. Yeah, I mean, it's like I when we get to Crazier, y'all know I love Crazier, but she did say that it was a song she wrote when she was younger and that it was just her imagining what it would be like to, like, fall in love for the first time. And, like, I get those vibes from this. Like, this is, like, her imagining what it's like to have your heart completely shredded for the first time. Yeah, I agree. I think people forget that she's a very empathetic person. She is one of those people that feels she's deeply emotional and she has the ability to feel other people's emotions. And so when she reads a book, when she watches a movie, when she, I don't know, notices these things, she's able to take moments, single moments, and create an entire song and like character and personality around that moment or the book you know that kind of thing movie so i think that's exactly what this is what you're saying chandler with her imagination like with crazier what it would imagine her to be like falling in love for the first time this is her take on emotionally unavailable guy which i think at some point we all go through i mean it can be <laughs> yes like one of those instances where she takes like um a situation that's maybe not what it is and turns it into a song takes the emotion she's feeling right the situation is and turns it into a song that's kind of about something different i think that's yes. honestly what she does with a lot of her music and people misread that as her yes. autobiographical because it came from a real person that she had a real relationship with or whatever but what they don't realize is like she can sit there and see one moment and imagine an emotion and just expand upon that emotion to create a song and it doesn't mean it ever well, happened <laughs> yeah it's kind of like in the long pond sessions even when she was talking about peace how like her take on peace is completely different yes. than anybody else that's listening to it and that's the beauty of her songwriting like she can write something that is personal to her that you know, we can just somehow relate it to our personal lives too. And it could be a completely made up story about like made up people. And somehow it's like way more powerful than that. It's not just about, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I it, she just has that energy. I, that I go back she does this a lot. What Bex was saying, like, I guess because she had songs where she mentions people's names, like Drew looks at me or Corey's eyes are like a jungle. He smiles. Everyone just, assumed and everyone associated though using those names as her writing about her boyfriends and her having these autobiographical songs and to bex's point that may not necessarily be the truth just because she released one or two songs with a dude's name in it doesn't mean that every song she writes is an autobiographical account of what happened it's not it's not yeah. necessarily that it's not autobiographical but maybe that it's not Maybe she's an unreliable narrator. You know how like sometimes you read books and like the narrator is telling you one thing and that's not actually how it's happening in the story and you just can't rely on the narrator. And yep. it's nothing against Taylor like at all. But she's, first of all, she's telling her side of the story through all of her songwriting forever. Like that's that's just how it is. She's the one writing it. So she tells her side of the story. But then she also could be expanding on whatever happened because I mean, while this is, 
it could be autobiographical in that it's based on a real situation or a real emotion or a real experience she had. It could be semi-fictional because she's right. expanding on that idea. Right. I was going to bring up something else when we were talking about this. Sorry, my sound cut out there, so I couldn't say (laughs) Terrible, right? Um, You know, the first time I actually remember, and I, of course, could be totally wrong, her publicly saying this whole concept of feeling an emotion and expanding that into song, and even though it didn't happen in real life, was mine. The song Mine. Yes. On Speak Now. I can't read the interview off the top of my head, but she says something to the effect of like, we were sitting next to each other at a dock or something like that. And she just saw her life flash forward. Well, that's like the music video. That's literally. Yeah. So, like, the only actual thing that happened with this person was them sitting together at the docks, probably just enjoying our time. And then all of a sudden, she just had this like flash forward in her mind of like this ideal of them together and what it could be like in their future. And she created the song based on that, right? right? And so you, anyways, so that goes to like our point of what we were talking about. Yes, like what Chandler's saying, the emotion was very real. That part was autobiographical, but everything else was something that she possibly, you know, just came up with. Oh, right. It's not her, necessarily about one particular person. It's just one lyric in the song was yes. relatable to something that she had done. And then she created this whole story behind it. So I feel like yes. she, she gets people judge her unfairly because they just assume that every single one of her songs is about some dude that she dated, which I, it, it's an unfair statement to make. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that everything that she writes about is something that's like she experienced firsthand completely. Like, and it's not something that she could have conjured up because, and they forget that like this chick wrote <laughs> like a novel, an award-winning novel at like the age of 14. <laughs> I'd have to look up the exact stats on everything, but she like won like awards, I think in her state for this novel that she wrote. She's an incredible story, right? <laughs> I, Wait, I, I didn't, wasn't it something like she wrote it over the summer, <laughs> one, one summer when her family went out yes. of town? I didn't, yes. I didn't even know that. Taylor needs to like release. Listen, I need her and, like become just. I a need her writer. to write fiction. Like I need her to write. I need her to yes. actually put into a novel Betty James Augustine Inez's story. Yes, oh she gosh. wrote a book. When, oh my god, that's like public knowledge. She wrote a book when she was a teenager in a 2015 cover interview with GQ. Swift said that at 14 she wrote a novel titled A Girl Named Girl. I told you. Yeah, she was 14. I had no idea. It won, like, awards. A girl I, I want to read this. Is okay. it any good? I, I mean, obviously, it won awards. It won, but it, I'm pretty sure, like, at the state level. And it's a 350-page novel, wow. apparently. Oh, my God. That's I think like I found book. it. On, I might have found it on Word. <laughs> Um, anyway we'll have to get back to that later (laughs) okay let's get into the lyrics okay uh first verse starts off strong you have a way of coming easily to me and when you take you take the very best of me so i start a fight because i need to feel something and you do what you want because i'm not what you wanted starting (sighs) off strong it's a lot to unpack my dramatic ass teenager self related to this song so hard like i was 
you talking about? <laughs> teenager self. Um, I'm saying this sir, yesterday, sir, and I'm like, in a happy, me, healthy, committed relationship. Me, 2015, like after my ex-boyfriend like literally broke up with me via text message and was always unemotionally like just not checked in oh my god i would this on tears no when no like i mean honestly like when i was like in like 2013 when my boyfriend broke up with me like this was one of the songs i had like a whole playlist of sad taylor swift songs and i would turn off all the lights in my dorm room except for the christmas lights that we had all around the like top of the wall i would turn off all the lights except the christmas lights and i would lay on our carpet and cry because my roommate she had a job on the weekends and she was never there and so i'd just lay on the carpet and cry to this song like i mean i don't just mean my dramatic ass teenage self like obviously my dramatic ass adult self too but first listen (laughs) yeah But it's like, I literally related so hard to this song as a teenager, and I had never experienced anything like anything close to this. The closest thing was like this guy who I liked and who basically led me on and then like acted like I was like crazy for liking him or whatever. It's a long story. I really don't want to get into it because that was like over a decade ago. (laughs) (laughs) We have personally been been victimized by the same person. Have we? I'm pr- this is the same person. Is this <laughs> the person who was... Okay, I'm not... You know I have a terrible memory. I'm talking about the person that I literally admitted my no, love to on not his death. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is not the same person. I love him. I swear he led you on, too. No, I led him on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I led him on. He asked me out. So Maybe we should it. have him on the show. Maybe we should have him dissect <laughs> We need to clear the no, air. No. We need to have a red table talk with him. No, listen, it's been 13 years not ready for that conversation ever <laughs> with anyone. Okay. Well, I know who you're talking about uh, now, though. Okay, go on. I just... I related so hard to these lyrics and I'd never experienced anything like this, but you know, I, I also remember listening to it being super sad as a teenager and just like also being amazed at her lyrics. <laughs> I, so I started yeah. a fight cause I need to feel something. What? <laughs> but truthfully, that is yeah, like, yes. it's like that is like, yes. And then just that's straight Capricorn energy. (laughs) But the follow up to that line, like I start a fight because I need to feel something, and you do what you want because I'm not what you wanted. Like, (laughs) I can't even. It's like like, it is good for a good song for somebody who doesn't like you back. When you like like somebody more than they like you, or when you, it's like what she said it was about when you realize that you love somebody more than you like way more that's what this song is it really is and just like oh it's so heartbreaking like you have a way of coming easily to me like that just makes it seem like it should be easy like the way that you are who you are as a person it comes easily to me but you're taking from me and you're taking and you're taking and you're taking and you're not giving anything in return i also i do get the vibe i can't remember if who it was i i think it was liz that said you know it sounds like she's being like emotionally or verbally or some some type of abuse like when she says when she says you take and when you take you take the very best of me it's like you know they're saying all of these hurtful things or doing all of these hurtful things and it's taking a part of her 
Yeah. You know what this song part. reminds me of? It's just a toxic relationship oh my all God. around, and we. This reminds me of. Oh my God. Okay, okay I was going like, to pause because I totally, when I was looking, when I was doing research for this, somebody had an article that was like, tolerated is the grown up version of cold as you. Oh! <gasps> yes. And yes. I didn't read it because I didn't have time because I did all my research at 7 Y'all blew my big epiphany for this. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. No. Sorry. Okay. So mine was going to add Dear John into the mix. Oh. And I was going to say they're all sisters, right? Like Tolerated's obviously the most grown up. Cold is used, definitely the baby sister. And Dear John's the middle child, right? It, you can like see her maturity progression, right? Because like, and mm-hmm. especially talking about this first verse, like you start a fight because you need to feel something. That's something you do when you're a teen and you're just, I mean, is it's that's kind of like a, it's a petty thing to do. Do I do it? Absolutely. I will admit to my pettiness as a capper. But, you know, when she gets to Dear John, she takes it in a different direction and then tolerate it. It's just completely. Anyway, yeah. So that was my whole epiphany. Thanks, guys. You're, you still had a great. That's a great theory, though. I like I like the idea that they're sister song. And they're all track fives. Yeah. yeah. They're all track fives. Yes. So it's I was going to say that I went through this exact song with someone. He was like, I had known him since I was really, really young. Like we grew up together basically. And like, we'd always had like a crush on each other, but he was emotionally unavailable to me. And I literally, like we fought all the time. Like this kind of, like <laughs> this kind of energy was present. <laughs> Anyways. So I really relate to this song. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this is like my ex-boyfriend to T like, Bailey knows he like never was upfront about how he felt about anything and anytime I would try to get it out of him he'd just be like oh like really indifferent and just like and you get to that point where you're just like (laughs) any information or affection that you get from this person just like clawing at it you know because you're just giving so much of yourself and they give so little back that like you just over savorize right what they give you and then yes. like the part where she says so i start a fight because i need to feel something she could have just said i feel numb but that's not what she said you know like it's, yeah. it's like you know you're looking for some kind of she's you're looking to feel some reaction. kind of emotion yes. because you don't feel there is toward this person who's been abusive or because you don't you get anything in return or maybe Maybe it's because you're not getting anything from them, and so you start a fight so you can feel something from them at right. the same time. Yeah. That's exactly what I... That was my experience. Like, <laughs> That's what I did, 15-year-old back. Like, maybe <laughs> she's feeling so much and getting nothing in return. Like, as we as she says, you take, you take the very best of me. And so she starts a fight because that's the only way she can get anything out of him. Not, right. I don't advise it. That's not a healthy relationship. No. But you're right. And nope. it's it's like when it's like intolerated yeah you know i you know i lay the table with the fancy shit and watch you tolerate it you're doing nothing and i'm watching you sleep and i'm doing all of these things but you have no idea that i'm doing it because you're emotionally closed off to me or you know whatever it is i mean honestly it's (sighs) fucked up like to be so young and to go through stuff like this but it also sucks because usually when you go through stuff like this you it is because you're young and they're young right not to say that it can't happen when you're older because it does but yeah it does okay all right well the chorus 
What a shame. What a rainy ending given to a perfect day. Just walk away. Ain't no use defending words that you will never say. And now that I'm sitting here thinking it through, I've never been anywhere cold as you. I love it. It's so, it just really gets you in the heart. (sighs) Well, yeah, because when you think about rainy days and you think about like, you know, or a rainy ending of that line, what a rainy ending to a perfect day. You know, have you ever had those days where it's like sunshine and then all of a sudden it's like shit? Yeah, weather, it's like and you're like, well, great. Like now all my plans for the evening is ruined. I'm but it's like maybe if she is like- in this kind of like toxic, abusive relationship, they have a good day and then something happens at the very end and they're yes. they're fighting again. The line. Yes, they go through. But- it's like a. Yeah, it's the a line that's like, just walk away, ain't no use defending words that you will never say. I can just imagine the fight that you would have and to have somebody who you know does not love you and would never say that they loved you because that's the word she's talking about defending. Right. He's defending his, He's defending his, I guess, affection for her, trying to dress it up as if it's love without actually saying Thank it because he won't say it. it. Right. Or she. I don't know. We don't know. So I, I, Chandler, you made a good point where you Uh, say, you know, maybe they're having a good day and then something happens and they're back to fighting and now it's rain. And she says to feed off of what Beck said before in Dear John, she says, you paint a blue sky, then go back and turn it to rain. Right. Does it say rain or nope. gray? Because why did I always... It's rain because I just looked it up a few minutes ago yeah. and my entire world imploded. Yeah, turned upside down. I thought it was gray. Hold too. on. Hold on. I always thought it was gray, too. <laughs> That's okay. There are actually a few lyrics in this song in Cold As You where I'm like, oh, no shit. That's the lyric. I had no idea. <laughs> okay. Give me one second. Okay, okay. <laughs> She, she has the receipts. Oh, gee. Why can't I find it? Oh, it is? You go back and turn it to rain. I think, okay, I think I knew that, but in Coney Island, she has, they have the, in the bridge, it's like, did I, did I, change your bluish skies, the shades, the darkest shade of gray or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Which, in the next verse, she yeah, actually yeah. says, yeah. well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, but you are correct, Rebecca. It is, it uh, is rain. It's, it blew my mind. I was like, I thought what? I too. <laughs> okay, I noticed, too, that she says, just walk away. Ain't no use defending words that you will never say. It's like she is telling herself. Mm. Like, the narrator is yeah. telling her, like, themselves to do it. There is no use staying and, and dealing with this guy's bullcrap or girl, whatever, bullcrap. Like, she's putting her foot down she's like no i need to walk away he's never gonna say it and then she goes in to say like and now that i'm sitting here thinking it through i've never been anywhere cold as you so like he is the worst of the worst and she's coming to this realization um i will say that just now you talking about that i've never really thought of it in that way like her telling herself to walk away i like that a lot but this really reminds me of space cowboy by casey musgraves because she's like and I don't, I don't remember the lyrics off the top of my head, but she's basically like telling him to walk away because she knows that he doesn't want to be around her. Like he doesn't want to be with her anymore and she's not going to waste either of their time. And so that just kind of, the, I kind of feel like, I mean, I'm sure Casey Musgraves was not inspired by debut era Taylor Swift, <laughs> but I see a parallel between those two <laughs> songs and I wanted to point it out. Yeah. 
Okay. You know, it's really common in toxic masculinity for guys to be emotionally unavailable. So I think on that front, a lot of people have experienced this coming across this sort of person who just, you know, because relationships are about give and take, right? Like it can't just be you're giving, you give, right. She says in the, in the very first birth, she says, and when you take, you take the very best of me. So the whole time this guy isn't giving her or whoever it is, isn't giving the other person anything. And they're just taking from them. Now I'm really seeing it from that point of view of like, she's trying to convince herself to walk away. I mean, it could be her telling like him to walk away, but like it, I almost like it better if her convincing herself, because it is kind of like that again, abusive relationship kind of mentality where she thinks she has to stay with this person who is cold and distant and, will never like reciprocate the feelings that she has for him or whatever the case is. But she, it's hard to get out of that cycle. It's extremely hard. Like I've been in a situation where like, you know, the person you want, you want them to say it, you want them to be emotionally available. You will try everything. Like she's, you know, starting fights. She's doing whatever she can. I was going to say, it's definitely a very toxic relationship and something that I kind of noticed in this chorus. And then we'll see, I think, in the next verse is that it seems like she's been making excuses for this person because she's so deeply invested in this relationship for a person who won't give anything back, right? Like, ain't no use defending words that you'll never say. At some point, she was trying to defend, say, oh, well, he's not ready to say them yet. Or, you know what I mean? Those kinds of things. Right. I kind of like the idea of her telling someone off better than, like, her having to convince herself. Not that there's, like, anything wrong with that. I think that's a totally valid interpretation. I just personally like the idea of the narrator telling someone off and being like you don't love me stop pretending get out like fuck you like this her, is their yeah. fight like the chorus is like her yeah. screaming at um, it. let's move on to the second verse you put up walls and paint them all a shade of gray and i stood there loving you and wished them all away and you come away with a great little story of a mess of a dreamer with the nerve to adore you this is my favorite <sighs> i same the idea of somebody putting up walls and then you standing there and loving someone so hard that you basically, I don't know how to explain it. Like she said, I stood there loving you and wished them all away. It's like you love somebody so hard. You ignore the fact that they They don't want, yeah, they put walls up. Like they don't want you (laughs) like there. Like if, if somebody's got walls up, like honestly, I don't like the idea in our society that if somebody's got walls up, somebody has to just come around and break down those walls for them. And like, that's not somebody else's job to deal with your emotional baggage. So if you've got walls up, like nobody's going to come fix you for you. (sighs) But just, I know even from like semi experience that like you, when you are just so interested in someone, you can just ignore those and like pretend they aren't there. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what she does. It sounds like it. She doesn't try and break down the walls. She literally like makes excuses, just loves that person and accepts it. And obviously, we all have faults in relationships, but there are some people 
There's a reason they're emotionally unavailable. It's not the toxic masculinity. It's because they have a lot of unsolved trauma or issues that they need to work through. Right. And that's not a good... (laughs) It's not good to be that way in a relationship if you're going to be emotionally unavailable. It's not. And I feel like, you know, at, at some point, like... We all put up walls, but the difference here is that they're not coming down because this person is emotionally unavailable. And instead of she's trying to take them down, but she can't because this person isn't letting her or this person isn't allowing it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. We all have walls, but this person isn't telling her that he loves her or she loves her, you know, and that in that way. And so they're not giving her anything. Not only are they putting up walls, not only have they built that fortress, they are literally locked away in the tower of their castle and they're unwilling to even come down and like open that door for her. It's almost like a naivete on the narrator's part because she, she says, I wish them all away. That's youthful. Yes. Naive. You know, like you can't, you can't always love somebody enough for them to love you back. Like right. I feel like I've said that already, but it doesn't matter how much you love a person I... if they're not willing to or they're not ready to, they're not going to love you back. Yes. Yeah, like you can't force them to. But also, yes. I really yes. like the last two lines. Yeah, let's of get the to those. You come away with a with a great little story of oh a my god, I to sorry, go ahead. So like. Well, literally, like, these types of guys describing in this song, they always come up with some excuse or they won't ever admit that they have feelings, if even if they do, because of, because of those walls. And for whatever their reasons are for putting up those walls, it's like, for her, she is a dreamer romantic, and her only fault is, like, too much. loving this guy. Too fault, almost. Yeah. And it's like... The least he can yeah. do is like reciprocate. Like that's it. That's all he has to do is love her the way that she loves him. And, and what breaks me the most it. about these, like the last two lines of this verse, is the "you come away with a great little story" part. I think it's meaning the little. I, the little yeah. really gets me. <laughs> but like, I can just imagine like he's probably gonna do what dudes do and like exaggerate but it's like the same thing like i can just see whatever right which i mean obviously if you are a woman and you're interested in women you can still relate to this song but i this just screams like high school like teenage boy to me because of this one college two you're right but because of these Mm -hmm. two lines that's just what that that's just how and of course i'm a straight woman so that's Yes. I'm gonna take it. I can just see this dude talking to his friends and being like, "Oh my god, you've got to hear about this crazy chick who's obsessed with me." Like, right? Yes. But they uh, always say obsessed. Ugh. So, do you guys remember? Not this is like kind of a little side tangent, but do y'all remember when Facebook was first out for us? Like, non, we were in high school when Facebook was first out when it was for college students, and then they like released it for everybody. Yeah. And there was like this little box, your profile picture was like on the side and there was a little yep. box you could put text in underneath. <laughs> yeah. remember that. For the longest time, my box had, and you come away with a great little story of a mess of a dreamer with the nerve to adore you. Because <laughs> I loved it so much. I love this line. I think it's so <laughs> well written. I think it's so poignant. It is. It is. I agree. I because- love the imagery of like being a mess of a dreamer like i don't know i just have always been I, I i just relate to that like idea of like being a hot mess but also like being 
a dreamer, like with your head in the clouds and like being optimistic and like a hopeless romantic. Yeah. So I just really always yes. related to this line in particular. And it also crushed my soul at the same time. So yeah, I mean, it's just like Taylor, like I feel like very much like us, at least I can speak for myself. Like I am a romantic. That's why my favorite Taylor songs are her love songs. You know, it, especially, you know, when this song was written, she's young and like, do you think that this yeah, relationship yes. is it sometimes? Like, you think, like, oh, my God. And because Taylor's the type of person that she literally can see, like, we talked about it, you know, about the song Mine. Like, how, like, she saw their whole relationship from start, you know, to the end. Right. You know, she saw Happily Ever After. And you, like, this song, it's like, she wants that. She wants that. But it's clear that he is on the opposite side of it. Like, he does not. Yeah. He's checked out. And we, unfortunately, it's all too common that these relationships happen. <sighs> it just sucks. But that's why songs like this are written so that we can express our feelings <laughs> and scream at the top of our lungs. Yes. And, you know, while singing them. <laughs> so then the chorus repeats again. And then after that, we go to the bridge. So the bridge is, you never did give a damn thing, honey, but I cried, cried for you. And I know you wouldn't have told nobody if I died, died for you. Like, this bridge really sets the stage for some of her other track five bridges. Not yes. even track five bridges, just bridges in general. Like, I, I don't think it, you know, it ranks up there with some of the other ones, but this is a pretty strong bridge. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, and, like, the music kind of swells, too, when she gets to this point, and it kind of... It's like she's, it, to me, it feels like she's at a breaking point when she's like, you never did give a damn thing, but I cried for you. And, like, she's, it goes first of back, all. It ties back to the second line in the first verse where she says, and you take, you take, and when you take, you take the very best of me. And now she's recounting and saying, you never did give me a damn thing, but you took damn near everything I had. Yeah. I've always kind of seen it like her saying, you never did give a damn thing, honey. Like you didn't care about me at all. Like you didn't yeah. give a damn about me, but yeah. I told, I, I love how you've related it back to the first verse. I love that too. I just tied that. I just put that together. And <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I think it's the, I don't know. It seems this is like one, this is one of her like absolute, like you cannot question it country songs because in a true misogynistic fashion, even when she was a country artist, she was never country enough. So, but this, I dare anybody to say that this is not a country song. And I think that that phrasing kind of lends into that, though. You never did give a damn thing, honey. Yeah. 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 And, and also, yeah. The dramatics, the last two lines. And I know you wouldn't have told nobody if I died, so dramatic. died for you. It's so dramatic. It's so like. Yeah. Over but could top, also can you imagine very like loving someone so much you feel like you can love for the both of them yes for that person <laughs> to just not care to the point where that person died and they like wouldn't even attend the funeral like that kind of thing just play it off so casually as if you were nothing at all mm -hmm. yeah i mean and that's another thing like you wouldn't have told nobody if i died for you like she's literally out here saying like i would have died for you and yes that's dramatic as hell like but at the same time, like, can, I, so, we all know that feeling of, like, just loving someone so much, so much and they just, or just even being, like, so interested in somebody and liking them so much and them just not reciprocating in the same way. Yeah. It almost reminds me that last line of the bridge, and I know you wouldn't have told nobody if I died for you. It almost 
gives me peace vibes where she says, I would die for you in secret. Mm. Oh my God. See, I thought I was thinking more because when Beck said, um, I thought of that when Rebecca was talking about about the funeral, but so in this, she say she wants him. She's upset that if she died for him, he would tell nobody and he would keep it a secret. And she doesn't want that. She wants, she would have wanted everybody to know, but in peace, she's, She's saying she would die for you in secret. And oh my God. And she wouldn't care. Yeah, it's she wouldn't care if yeah. oh my god, the growth, the emotional yeah. growth. Yeah. It's like the, the grown-up version. It's like that for line real. in peace is the grown-up version of the last line, line of the bridge. Yeah. But don't you just love to see it? A 31-year-old perspective versus oh, yes. I don't even know what age she wrote this. She could have written this at like what? Her, yeah. <laughs> like this, that, just just her more grown-up songs. Like we just made the connection between tolerate it and this. So I'm personally, I'm excited to hear the re-recordings of this, you know, because now she's 31 years old. This is honestly the song that I'm most excited about to hear yeah. re-recorded. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 from this album, from debut. From debut oh, in general, this is the song I'm most excited to hear. I agree. Wow. Okay, it changes a little for bit. the chorus for the last chorus. It changes a little bit. So, oh, what a shame! What a rainy ending given to a perfect day. Oh, every smile you fake is so condescending, counting all the scars you made. And now that I'm sitting here thinking um, it through, so I'm I've never completely been mind blown. That is not what I thought the lyrics were. I didn't think. I thought it was every smile you fake and then like comma it's so condescending. Not every smile mm-hmm. you fake is so condescending. I could see that. I think yeah, I can definitely see that. I always knew that it was is so condescending because I totally made this my Facebook it's status totally. all the time. Now, <laughs> for no now reason too. Like that to <laughs> me that's even like that's even worse. The actual version is even worse than what I thought it was. Oh my god, yes. Every <laughs> smile you fake is so, so condescending. condescending. Like, like, you know yeah. those people who, like, fake a smile and it's, like, I hate to, like, repeat exactly what she's saying, but it's exactly what she's saying. There's people who you know they are faking being nice yeah. to you or what have it. And it's, it's condescending and you know it. Oh, it's the most condescending thing. And sometimes maybe you don't even know it's fake until you're on the other side of it because you're sitting there, they're smiling at you. You're thinking you're having a good time. And then when they don't reciprocate those feelings back to you, you realize that like they were just leading yeah. you on and faking yeah. it the entire time. And now that I'm sitting here thinking it through, I've never been anywhere cold as you. Mm. Oh yes. Yeah. Counting all the counting scars all the you scars. made. Like, it's like saying you are being fake with me and it's so condescending and you have the audacity to sit here and have left all these scars on me and be so condescending to me like no so that's what i thought it Girl, was. you can't I even give me was, a real smile i thought it was it's so condescending counting all the scars you made which i guess in hindsight doesn't really make all that much sense but it kind of does i mean she has so many scars you know what i mean like he's just doing the same damn thing over and over yeah but like basically what she's saying is considering all of the scars i have because of how you treated me the fakeness of how you are like you being so fake is just it's condescending like yeah it just makes and it makes I, it all worse. I like how in the last verse she says you know before in the chorus is before she says 
No use defending words you'll never say. Now that I'm sitting here thinking it through, I've never been anywhere cold as you. But then she takes it a step further this time and says, counting all this, now that I'm sitting here and counting all the scars you made and actually thinking about it, I've never been anywhere cold as you. So strike, strike three for this dude. You like know? she comes to this like, conclusion that I don't okay. think we've talked enough about. <laughs> I've never been any like that line. I've never been anywhere cold as you. you. I, I I do. I will admit for the longest time when I was younger, I did not understand, but now I do. And it's now I remember when I remember when I figured it out and just, yeah, it felt like a, a jaw dropping moment when I figured out what she meant by I've never been anywhere cold as you like, I mean, give me some credit. I was like 12 when this album came out. <laughs> but also, like, you know, when you're 12, like, you get it. But you've never experienced being with someone who's so cold. And now at 26, 27 years old, we're all like, oh, shit. Like, I have been there. Like, yeah. I've never been anywhere cold as you, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you've been in that experience, so now it makes sense. And now you're putting two and two together. But whereas before, it's like, oh, yeah, this, you know, this song is so sad. It, you know, it, it breaks my heart, whatever. But And and after I did that research, finding out, like, kind of how she took a very famous, like, Shakespearean trope and turned it on its head, it makes it even more, like, powerful to me because you want the love of your life or whoever you're with to be like a summer day. You want them to be happy and light and warm, you know, the opposite of cold. You don't want somebody who is empty and cold and dark. Right. Also, can I just just interject and say, I don't want to hear anybody now that love story has been re-recorded and released. I don't want to hear anybody complain and say that Taylor Swift doesn't understand Shakespeare because of that because of the song love story no now knowing that what she did was take a very famous shakespeare quote slash trope or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. and flip it at such a young age and do it so well i don't i don't ever want to hear it because i don't know if y'all remember but when love story first came out people criticized her for not understanding what she was like supposedly writing or supposedly not understanding what she was writing about when honestly that's not the case Right. Also, going back to the the Shakespearean kind of twist on this, you know, looking at it, she does the same thing in Dear John. She says, you paint a blue sky, then go back and turn it to rain, which is basically the same thing as as the, you know, Shakespeare who compares his lover to a summer's day. Meanwhile, yeah, this is great. But then, she, oh, now it's raining and cold. I mean, she talks about this kind of like I think this in know, I think this in particular is different over and over again because she's actually saying that this person yes. is cold. Right. Like she's comparing this person to a place rather yes, than just No, I agree. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, ignore me. Ignore me. No, you're no, totally but I know what you're saying. Like it like I don't think she's I think it's different because she's, she's saying comparing I've never been anywhere cold the you. person. That she's yeah. describing the person as being cold. And it's not like in Dear John, she's describing the actions well, that like, he took by painting as, the blue sky and then going back and yeah, turning it to rain. Well, I also I also like think that also the person that you love should be like a home. Yeah. It should be warm. It should like it is a place. It is where you, you know, 
rest your head at night. It's that, that thought that that person is like your safety net, you know, it's supposed to be safe and loving. And whereas I've never been anywhere cold as you, this is a place, a person or a place. She like is making this noun very, we don't really know a person. Is it a person or is it a place or is it both? It's both because that is a, that is somebody that you love. It's supposed to be, they compare, you know, them to <laughs> no but no I, know loving, what you're I don't know where I'm going so we've talked about how this is kind of like the younger version of tolerate it but we haven't really compared those lyrics and so I went through tolerate it while we we're all talking here and I found some lyrics that really correlated with the lyrics and cold as you specifically in the first verse when we talk about and when you take you take the very best of me and tolerate it she says use my best colors for your portrait right mm-hmm. so it's the same thing right yeah yes yeah, she's expanding upon what she talks about and cold is using upon that and tolerate it but then i went through to second verse and we spent a lot of time talking about you put up the walls and paint them all a shade of gray and i stood there loving you and wished them all well in tolerate it she- i take your indiscretions all in good fun i sit and listen you know, like that kind of thing. So she's she's acknowledging the fact that she's taking those indiscretions and just dealing with them. Just kind of like how in Cold as You, she's those walls, she's just wishing them away. Right. It's the same almost naivety to it. Yeah. Yes. And then also at the very end, when we talk about how she was so overdramatic in her bridge, you know, with the, and I know you wouldn't have told nobody if I died, died for you. You know, her bridge and tolerate it. She talks about take this dagger, took this dagger and me and removed it. Like, what would you do? What would you do oh. if I break free and leave us in ruins? Oh what would God. you do if I took this dagger and me and removed it and gain the weight of you, then lose it? I could do that. Like, believe me, I could do it, you know, like, but can you tell me, like, is this in your head? Like, tell me. So she's more confronting him and tolerate it versus cold as you. She's more of like accepted how uh, terribly distant and awful this person is. But yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, like. my jaw is like on the floor right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad that she you look really up. is. She's brilliant. She really. Is. I wonder if she realized. I wonder if she realized she she did that. You would think that because you know at the time she recorded Evermore, we knew that at the time that Evermore was released, we knew that she had been working on her re-recording. So I'm sure maybe she yeah. already recorded, re-recorded, old as you. Yes. And then so was I like, oh if- shit. Yeah. Look what I just did, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Like, I, you know, re-recorded the song yeah. and then was like, okay, I'm getting some ideas. And then she, you know, did it. Also combining a bunch of other stuff that inspired her to write it. There's hers, definitely but... parallels whether or not Still. she did it on purpose. Oh. We may never know. I'd like to think that she did. I'd like to think that she's that amazing and brilliant. So we're just going to go with that. <laughs> Okay, so the secret message. I, when I was going through the lyrics of this, um, I almost kind of like had a little bit of like a panic attack, almost, because the secret message is time to let go. And the the reason why I had a panic attack is because of the song on Evermore, It's Time to Go. Wow. I was like, imagine if that, I was like, it's so, it's so close to the title of that song. It's so close. Taylor Swift strikes again. Oh my God. She does what it again. What if we just stumbled upon like one of her Easter eggs? Right. <laughs> what if we just stumbled? She's just a magician. I swear. New theory. You heard it here first. <laughs> That's interesting. Oh my god. 
the chorus the chorus it's the same it's time to go is like that old familiar body ache the snaps from the same little breaks in your stole and you know it's time to go yeah i think that song is more from like like she's trying not convincing herself she knows that it like she's already come to that conclusion from the start of the song whereas describing all the different scenarios like you know when it is time to go but in this case it's like she doesn't really come to that conclusion yeah it's like you were saying earlier lizzie in this song she's it's almost like even with a secret message she's trying to convince herself to let go right i agree because it is perhaps in relationships it's extremely hard to let go do we want to move on to favorite lyrics I've just, my favorite lyrics, and I'm, I think we've all talked about how this has been our favorite lyrics. I know Chan has said this is hers. And you come away with a great little story of a mess of a dreamer with the nerve to adore yeah. you. Because, again, we've all been there, I feel like, at some point with a toxic male who's emotionally unavailable saying that you're obsessive and crazy <laughs> and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's definitely. And just the imagery. Whew. Yeah, that's definitely my favorite lyric in the whole song yeah. too though i will say i think the every smile you fake is so condescending counting all the scars you've made is like a close second for me yeah yep i agree um i also I, really like i don't, I don't know that it's a favorite but it's it's a close one um the bridge you never did give a damn thing honey but i cried for you yeah so many good ones to choose from in this song i know it's hard to choose in this one right my Basically second the whole favorite song, ones are the, the first two lines of the song. You have a way of coming easily to me. And when you take, you take the very best of me. Because if you go back and listen to that, you don't really hear the music in the background. It almost sounds acapella. And on top of that, her tone, her voice tone is very yeah. solemn. Like yeah. you can it just almost see sounds how like serious her you is- can feel. Okay. It's breaking. Like she's almost going to cry. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Her voice almost cracks when she says it. Yes, you feel that emotion just like radiating and like coming through those like lyrics. This that just reminds me of like White Horse vibes almost too. It's if this was a music video, I imagine it being similar to something like White Horse, where she's like, I know this. It's like Rebecca said. It seems more solemn to me. Like you're past the point of crying. Mm -hmm. But you can just tell how emotionally affected she was by this. I also really like yeah, the yeah. line, so I start a fight because yeah. They're all something. good. It's the whole it's song. To choose. My favorite line is the whole song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to choose. Good job, Taylor. Yeah. An excellent <laughs> way to start off your track fives. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> this is the slept on track five. It I is. agree. It is not appreciated. It is not I given agree. the clout it deserves. It's literally the blueprint. It's literally the blueprint. It, it is. It really, did, it really does set the stage for all of the other track fives. Iconic. Uh, Bailey, I know you love this song. I do. Yes. This one's definitely in my top five Same. on this album. Me too. Yeah. Same. So, do you guys have any final thoughts, comments? Um, no, I don't think so. Questions to I don't, present? I don't either. I, I mean, I feel like we've pretty much covered everything. Do you have no, any I just really appreciated thoughts? taking a look back on this song and then comparing it to Tolerate It and just seeing the maturity and, man, just chef's kiss. You know, I did not realize yeah, I didn't like, either. that comparison until I it's started It's amazing like, how reading through the lyrics, lyrics like you take, you just have a completely new appreciation. And it's funny because we were reading the lyrics and I know we've made several times that this could be about anybody it's not necessarily about a guy we're speaking from our experiences with a guy but 
I, I went through these lyrics when we were talking at some point, and I was thinking about how I'm sure we've all experienced this in a friendship as Are well. Are you calling me out like, right now? <laughs> I'm not calling you out. Not me, but my I, situation. But <laughs> yes. I thought of this civic situation with Chandler, and I won't go into details on it, but like it seemed this, it draws a lot of parallels for her. But I think we've all had that, you know, where we've had a friend that you're putting in all this work and all this effort for somebody who just seems to just kind of push you aside. And it doesn't have to be romantically involved. You know what I mean? I know Chandler's been going through that, and that's been really hard on her. So, yeah, I just, I don't want you to introduce for me, but. Uh, yeah, I've definitely I been in definitely, a similar situation. I mean, I mean in high school, the same sure. thing happened. Like, you just, you know, you think you're really good friends with someone. And then at some point, they just decide that they don't want to be your friend anymore. And it's just like, oh, okay, thanks. You know, I feel like that happens a lot in middle and high school, because you know how like kids are like discovering themselves and that's when they start to get really clicky. Yep. And so like, you can have a best friend like seventh and eighth grade. It's like somebody totally different. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah yeah, yeah. Bailey, yeah wait, you had a friend that literally like that is so friend broke up with you <laughs> like this is before bailey and i were like close but i like know the person and everything and like i remember thinking it was super shitty and I, d- I didn't even really know either of them well yet but like no i just i think that's a really good point i hadn't thought of that before beck said something it's like taylor swift said in her song breathe people are people and sometimes they change, they change their, their minds, minds. Yeah. yeah. To quote Taylor Swift. <laughs> uh, this is a good. Yes, it is. I, this yes, is a good setup to the next song, actually. Right. Look at us. Yes, I will take it away then. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Look out for our next episode where we continue our exploration of Taylor Swift's debut album with The Outside. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to get updates on next episodes. Handles for our social media can be found in the description. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.